if you take the people who are going to live in the thing that you're trying to make mm-hmm. and you ask them what they want it to be like and then you do that thing they like it they like it it's weird <laughs> yes the nut i would love to crack with sharing boulder is like how to give people like the creative imagination to see that world and then like demand it you know like we, yeah. we need to demand this world that um that that could exist if we right. if we had the imagination for it yeah so here's the idea that i had for the city of boulder like an overland district everywhere in the city anybody can apply for a csp which would be cool shit permit. Sharing Boulder is not promoting the notion we need more billionaires. I see the appeal of that approach, but uh, really. Hello, Boulder and the wider world. This is the Sharing Boulder podcast. My name is Philip Ogren, and for episode 22, I spoke with Brian Bowen, who is an architect and founder at a local firm named Caddis. We turned on the camera and just dove right into all kinds of topics related to building beautiful, sustainable, and inclusive neighborhoods, including co-housing, cooperative housing, bikeways, cool shit permits, raising kids, among others. I love how Brian can imagine what doesn't yet exist and then puts his energy into creating beautiful structures and neighborhoods. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brian Bowen. Brian, thank you for uh, coming on Sharing Boulder. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Um, so I am Brian Bowen. Um, started my firm, Caddis, uh, about 20 years ago. In fact, 20 years ago this month. Nice. Congratulations. Um, yeah, which is kind of crazy. I still have some pretty healthy imposter syndrome, like maybe, maybe one day they're going <laughs> to find out that we don't know what we're doing and uh, the whole thing's going to fall apart, but 20 years, it makes it feel like maybe it's really going to stick. Yeah, cool. Um, and all these built projects. Um, so I grew up in New Mexico, went to school in... Time out. Um, yep. What kind of firm is it? Uh, it's an architecture firm. Nice. Um, <laughs> we do um, a lot of, uh, you know, smaller scale planning, neighborhood planning projects. Um, we do a lot of co-housing projects nationally. Uh, internationally as well. Um, we do a lot of uh, affordable housing projects for uh, regional um, housing authorities and affordable housing developers. We do a lot of housing projects that are market rate. Um, and that can be anything from, you know, kind of regular uh, new urbanist, I mean, not regular, but sort of unusual still yeah. in our context, uh, you know, positive new urbanist um, infill projects or things like, uh, you know, um, podium style buildings with affordable housing on top. Um, the, we do also a lot we of say like, podium style is like, a, uh, like, like a, a mixed use kind of thing? Yeah, or? like sort of a, the first floor would be, you know, a mix of parking and retail okay. and storage and stuff. And then the upper floors would be wood frame construction. Okay. So that first floor podium is built out of concrete. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, the, um, and we do a lot of single family homes around here and all that stuff has a real strong, um, like really two strong ethics that go into it. One is like really like sort of green building sustainability, um, low carbon footprint, uh, net zero passive house level. Uh, we're really 
been innovators in that for you know since the beginning. That's kind of why I popped out on my own. And then two is community. You know, how do all these projects like contribute to the community? Yeah. Um, and some of it's really conspicuous, right? You're doing a mixed-use project. Like, how does it relate to the street, the public realm? You know, those are pretty conspicuous ways of relating to community. But even in single-family home design, there's aspects of that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I grew up in New Mexico in a sort of artist engineering family. Uh, did a lot of like blacksmithing and woodworking and art myself, and then cool. went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, which was really mm -hmm. good. And then uh, worked in Pittsburgh, or sorry, in Salt Lake City for a long time, and then ended up in Boulder because of a girl um, who I'm still married to, which is really great. Nice. Um, more more did her forbearance than anything else, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have two kids in there, you know. And we raised our family in Wild Sage co-housing, so we've been there for about 17 years, and we recently moved out of there and have a house in Boulder now, so. Cool. It's good. Well, okay. Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, oh, and I did eight years, uh, eight-year term on. Um, two terms on uh, the City of Boulder's planning board. Oh, nice. And through that sat on the Design Advisory Board and Housing Advisory Board and Landmarks Board and okay. all those things as well. So that's another like relevant City of Boulder thing that's given me really interesting insight into like what um, what forces really influence what really happens here. So Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things I'm trying to learn is just like what are the mechanics of making any kind of change at all? Uh, yep. And, uh, it's probably learn, not what you think. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> learning what the learning what all the boards do is uh, is an interesting challenge, and and trying to figure out how like uh, an idea actually works its way to to being realized. I, I I'm not quite there at understanding how it all how it all works. Um, I actually just uh, recently uh, was appointed to the housing advisory board. I and didn't so, know that. Yeah. Well, see, that's how out of touch um, I am. So that's great. So I've been to three meetings, and uh -huh. um, I'm congratulations, uh, you know, and well, also my condolences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure how to feel about it just yet, but uh, I'm excited to, to give it a try. You know, it's it's a five-year appointment, so uh -huh. I have some time to like figure out what this is all about, I, yeah. I think, because I, 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 I certainly haven't hit the ground running. I don't know what I'm doing yet, so. Yeah, and you're, well, yeah. you're starting on a platform much higher than almost everybody, so like you're, you're in good shape. Okay. But I think everyone has a, a fairly significant, like steep learning curve, you know, takeoff yeah. um, before they get in there. And I think uh, I, what I've observed over the years is different people getting on the boards, they definitely um, have different ideas about what the boards really even do that they need to, you know, kind of unlearn yeah. as they get on there. Because they realize it's like, you know, mostly it's a position of service, right? You're like trying to like mm -hmm. do do work and make the city better and, yeah. you know. Um, but so, yeah, what else? Like, so what are you thinking about? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, thank you for the lead <laughs> question. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, uh, I, came, I, I came in here this morning uh, just reali realizing that I had a lot, I, I've got, I'm not like yeah. pent up, you know, I got, I got a lot to say. And, that's and not you don't a, have great conversations, so it's always yeah. like, I'm, I, I don't want this to be like one directional either. Yeah. I'm like, what's he it's doing? Not a, not a very good mindset for being an interviewer, but uh, <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the thing that I, I, that's like, just kind of like smacking me in the face this morning is um, uh, gun control is in the news right now. We've had these mass shooting yeah. incidents. And, um, you know, Boulder is, is pretty, um, uh, uh, pretty uniformly, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of opinions about gun control mm -hmm. in Boulder, but I would just say on, on the balance, we, we have kind of a liberal progressive viewpoint on this issue, and mm -hmm. we would like to see a lot more gun control, a lot mm -hmm. fewer guns, and, and not fetishize gun culture. You know, it's, that's yeah. kind of, Boulder's kind of sitting there. Yeah. And um, I think collectively, when we see people 
that fetishize guns and we see that the photos of like their their collections you know on the deck of their front mm -hmm. yard or whatever yeah. we, we kind of recoil you know I, and I'm, i don't mean just me i mean like collectively as a city we're kind of like blah you know right. doesn't feel familiar like what's going on yeah, with that? That, yeah that's that's not that's not um part of our experience here in boulder and um we kind of wonder like why why can't people in red states or or other people you know why can't they see a world without guns? Mm -hmm. You know, like why why can't they imagine what the world would be like uh, with, without without all mass shootings and you know right. like without the 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 you know the AR-15 you know um, uh, trade shows you know where, right. where where people show up and buy the the t-shirts and the maybe it would be okay <laughs> to not have that stuff. Maybe it would be okay. Maybe just fine. Yeah, maybe maybe we could still have a functioning society without all those guns and. Um, yeah, so we kind of scratch our heads, and I, um, I have kind of a, a similar feeling about housing. Like, mm -hmm. we, um, and Boulder doesn't share this with me, uh, most right. of it. Right, um, now we're the outliers. Uh, yeah, we're, now we're the outliers, but um, I can picture a, a world without cars, without single-family homes, and, and, the, and that world looks a lot better to me, you know, without yeah. all the, the air pollution, without all the congestion without all the, the angry people driving around stuck mm -hmm. in traffic. And uh, I, the nut I would love to crack with sharing Boulder is like how to give people like the creative imagination to see that world and then like demand it, you know, like yeah. we, we need to demand this world that, um, that, that could exist if we, right. if we had the imagination for it. Yep. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, um I think that's brilliant because I think what I've seen on planning board and certainly in Boulder and with our clients, like um, a lot of people see the changes that have been made in housing policy or the changes in housing typologies in Boulder, places like Holiday, as like sort of a concession or sort of like a, a compromise. Like, well, I guess we can let them do that, and it's it only messes up one part of the city. At least it's not where I live, you know. <laughs> and so like. You know, it's kind of in some ways it's been in sacrificial zones, right? Well, mm -hmm. as long as you don't touch the nice parts of town, you could do what you want over here. Well, like this has become a nice part of town. People they enjoy living yep. here. Um, and but is it exactly like living in a single-family home? No, but it's got some pros and it's got some differences. And um, and I think when you and this is the thing that's been on my mind. Like so, if you look at like what we're able to produce in <clears throat> housing right now with construction costs. Um, financing structures, um, homeownership home models, uh, the presumptions of how mortgages work, and land costs. Like all those things conspire to create like a bottom. We can't build anything for cheaper than a certain amount. Yeah. And I'm not a wizard. I can't just like make it happen. And so if or you- Or a billionaire. Or a billionaire. <laughs> I mean, if I was a billionaire- You I could subsidize I could some, do some, some things. Cool, some cool yeah. projects, you know. I'm sure I'd have uh, like uh, some other like non-altruistic things I did as a billionaire I, I just as well. As, just as a general <laughs> statement, um, sharing Boulder is not promoting the notion we need more billionaires. As nice as I would, as much as I would. Well, if you wanted to make me a billionaire, I would guarantee contributions back towards <laughs> okay, sharing okay, Boulder's yeah. podcast. No, I, can, I, see the, I see the appeal of that approach, but uh, really. Yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like it's actually, more, it doesn't look like it's panning more out More inequity well. is, uh, is not the solution to our current. <laughs> totally, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, making that gap. I mean, right now, right? Is you know, if if we're building for people who have enough, yeah, and we're just forgetting about everybody else, like that model is is really a poor place to be working, right? So, mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out like what. So if you can't, you know, get entry level home ownership mortgages and get on that conveyor belt to you know this 
um, picture of what people have as single-family homeownership. Yeah, sort of pre-built ideal of where we're all going. Yeah. If we could, if we can all make it, you know. Yeah, everyone should be able to buy like an entry-level house somewhere in Boulder and like work their way up until they, you know, I guess at the end of the board game, have a mansion and a boat or whatever, right? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, all the kids you can get by landing on the right squares. Um, the so like, what do you do then? So I think you know some of those presumptions have to change. You have to have like a different ownership model or a different construction model or a different. Uh, land ownership model or a different taxation model. Something's got to be different down mm -hmm. there. And the thing to me, I'm a big shared housing fan, right? So we've done a lot of co-housing, a lot of co-ops. Um, uh, and we're working with David Adamson on the Goose Creek uh, Land Trust, Project 750 North. Yep. And we, we've, uh, we've talked a lot about that that's on, been on, on, here, yeah. on this podcast, <clears throat> but, but just, just as a recap, um, yeah. he is uh, uh, building a house across the street from his own that's got the footprint of a McMansion, you might say. It's like a 5,000 square yeah. foot. It's gonna look like a, like a big, fancy luxury house, single family home. Yep. So it fits in, um, it's compatible with the neighborhood in terms of. Yeah, um, but inside it's divided up into yeah. ten, 10 bedrooms, a shared living space, and it's gonna be a, a for sale co-op. Yeah. First of its kind in the city. Yep. Um, and uh, that's, that's a very exciting model. I'm super, super jazzed about, you know, this is like yeah. kind of outside the box of, of what's been going on lately. Yeah, but I think, I mean, right now, um, that project it really um, is an emblem of so many of these different things, like a different look at land use, yep. a different look at like how many people can live in a house. Like it could be a house for 12 people and that's okay because people will actually work well in those kinds of units and that, you know, there's a lot of benefit to that kind of contact and living and it changes ownership models, right? right? It's not going to be owned, like the land will be a land trust. The building will not be owned like uh, as condos. It'll be owned collectively. The share, shares. The shares, yeah. right? Yeah. So what David's trying to do, what Goose Creek is trying to do there is, like, I think in a lot of ways the answer, um, and ironically, of course, like, it is extremely difficult to the pull off. The hardest thing to build right now. It's the hardest <laughs> thing. So there's another company we're talking to that's just forming down in Denver called the Co-Own Company. Okay. Um, and that's Sarah Wells, who's been a realtor and co-op person for a long time. Yeah, yes, I'm I'm on her newsletter, okay, and cool. I read I read through her newsletter because I find it just so compelling. It's beefy, yeah, yeah, and um, she's smart. But I thought it was called LiveWorks. She's got that too. So okay, like, so that's a separate thing. Yeah, so it's like she's got a few irons in the fire. So we're looking at doing um, a um, a project that's a co-owned, um, and I'm not sure whether they'll go with shares or condo sales. Um, but it's going to be basically like an apartment building of, you know, five bedroom units. So each pod is its own little cooperative um, uh -huh. unit inside sort of an apartment building. And there's a whole bunch of different ways to skin this cat. And I think... Uh, so like a, like a floor of, of the building would have five um, residents? Actually, so like in this model we're looking at right now, each floor would have four apartments. Okay. And each apartment would be like a five bedroom apartment. So oh, like you would get, and this is like this is where we you know working on something like this up in Steamboat right now, okay. um, which is really focused on like resort uh, town uh, workforce housing, mm -hmm. and like really curing some of the seasonal housing problems. Uh, so we met with a bunch of groups up there, like people who were living there and trying to figure out housing, to mm -hmm. ask them what they needed. So this is like the magic of co-housing. Like if you summarize it all in one thing, if you take the people who are going to live in the thing that you're trying to make. Mm -hmm. And you ask them what they want it to be like, and then you do that thing. They like it. They like it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. So like, it turns out you can do that, and um, 
So we do that all the time through co-housing processes and co-op processes. And um, it's harder on like uh, low-income housing tax credit projects because there's a fear of discrimination that goes along with that. The fear comes from the uh, attorneys, not from any other human. Okay. Um, so anyways, like... Can, when, you, can you spell that out just a little bit more? So Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, on, um, you know, if, if we're doing, like we did a, a really great little seniors project in Moab. Um, and it would have been really great to reach out to some of the people in the community and say, hey, you know, you know, I want to turn you guys into sort of a um, focus group, um, future renters of this project. Um, what do you guys want and how do we collaborate to make it happen? Um, you know, you can do that to certain levels, right? You could have a focus group, and but you really have to kind of have a clean definition between like you're a focus group and not really a, a resident. But really, you're trying to build buy-in. Actually, you're trying. You actually are trying to build buy-in through that process, so that like the people who help inform it get to live there, and it, it then also reflects what they wanted. Not in a weird way, but like in a way that like reflects the general population. So you know, when the lawyers tell you you can't talk to anybody who's going to live there, well, then that leaves the architects and the developers to kind of guess like, well, I think based on what we talked about last time or what we see happening, we'll we'll make some guesses about this. Um, and that's, what, and what is, where does the fear from the lawyers come from? I don't discrimination. I don't, yeah. So oh, that, I see. yeah, basically, uh, they are worried that you would be discriminating for someone who has participated in this focus group. It would give them a, a step up over somebody else who didn't. Oh, and, so, the, and, and the reason discrimination is such a concern here is because there's federal funding involved. Exactly. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks Sorry. for thanks thank for you for sort of getting me all the way to yeah. that too. So okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, any focus group you're gonna do, like oh, you're a senior that fits in this demographic that we've select pre kind of pre-selected, and yeah. and now like, what about this family of color or or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and, and I think there are some. I mean, I think in the co-housing world there are some places where um, some uh, unconscious bias has played out. Yeah. You know, like the original idea of co-housing is you. You know, you'd have, um, at least in the U.S., you'd have a series of workshops where you fly the architects in from out of town. They're with you for the weekend. They do a huge amount of intense work. But it presumes that you can get time off of work at those times. It presumes that you can get childcare for a three- or four-day workshop all at once. It presumes that you have the money to pay for that sort of thing. It presumes that you have the ability to, like, and the personality type and the learning type to, like, walk into a room, get exposed to a ton of information and sort, express sort, yourself sort through it kind of discern what what it is that you walk care out with a decision you can the right with, questions yeah. right and it totally you know and so there's like a bunch of presumptions about that that actually when you flip them around they start to actually be a little exclusionary yeah so you know uh and i kind of started to learn this a few years ago and then after you know as COVID hit we had this opportunity to kind of blow up the model of the co-housing workshops and let it settle in a way that was actually a lot more suitable to different family types, uh, learning styles. So if I had to do, let's say, a, a you know hour and a half long slideshow as a part of a workshop that's really meant to like get people up to speed on a certain thing, um, I can now take that, put that on YouTube and say like, okay, so three weeks before the workshop, you guys need to find time to watch this. And you can watch it in chunks, you can watch it late at night, you can watch it with your spouse with a glass of wine, you can pause it and talk about like, hey, that thing that he just said, is that, does that matter to us or would you not agree with that? Yeah. So it gives like a much more gentle. And then attendance is just a matter of getting onto the Zoom call. It's, yeah. 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 That, and that, that can still be a barrier, but. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's still, I mean, we're not fully in the barrier free thing, but there's definitely like, I think as we get aware of barriers, we can work to circumvent them or alleviate them. Yeah. So we're well, trying to do so that. So we, uh, we, we've kind of digressed a couple yeah. layers. I want to pop back up to, uh, Sarah Wells's project mm -hmm. with the, uh, the apartment building that, that yeah. is, um, so I want to hear models. more about that. Okay. Yeah. There's a few models that are really interesting. Like David Adamson's Goose Creek scenario is one. Yep. Um, and you know, we're almost done with CDs. It seems like, um, I should knock on some wood somewhere, but it seems like we're shooting towards completion on this thing and it's, it's going to happen. Um, and that'll be a, a good demonstration project, I think, in the city for this shared equity, shared limited equity, um, cooperative living style yeah. in a neighborhood that doesn't cause any harm. Everybody's gonna be like, oh, these are great neighbors. Um, the other models we have in the city are Boulder Housing Coalition's cooperative houses. Mm -hmm. um, we've worked on a bunch of those and those are great. You know, you go there and you're like, this seems like all butterflies and roses and happiness and you know behind the scenes of course there's like the regular humanity grit of like you got to sort through real stuff but that makes you grow into being a better person and I think those are you know that's a crucible for positivity in the end okay you kind of spoke past me just now so okay so right now we're talking about I, I'm because my brain's also fl fluttering around uh -huh. but um, ex explain that model a little bit more detail oh, so and, and what, what what someone like if you if yeah, you yeah, went yeah. into that neighborhood and saw the structure, what, what would it look like? Yeah, so, I mean, Boulder Housing Coalition mostly has homes that are um, used as cooperative housing. Oh, right. Yeah. And, you know, so... You, I was thinking Boulder Housing Partners. Oh, no, like, yeah, sorry. All these yeah, acronyms. It's a different thing. No, no, housing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know BHC. Sorry. Yeah, so Boulder like, Housing Coalition. Yeah, just for, <laughs> for these guys, like, Boulder Housing Coalition uh, owns rental co-ops and... Um, you know, provides a lot of community communications, relationship support. Yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant model. So totally. that's like a rental model. It's typically a mixed income model. So they have like yeah. ranges of like low, middle, and higher AMI, uh, area median income incomes uh, in there. So it's a great, there's a, a lot of great, great things about and, that. And um, some include apartments too. So like family apartments. And there. I'll just point out, there happens to be one across the street from the for sale co-op that David's trying to build. So there's right. the Ostera uh, yep. at uh, North and, and Ninth. Ni and ninth. Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah, I wish we did that. that. Which, is, which is one of like <clears throat> five in the city? Or? Something like that. Yeah, that. That BHC runs. Yep, and one of the really cool things about Ostara in particular is it was a, a BHP apartment project that performed poorly um, from an economic perspective because it was sort of awkwardly sized, bigger bedrooms or, or bigger apartments and a relatively small building, so it was hard for them to maintain and serve it. So it didn't really fit their model that well. So they sold it to Boulder Housing Coalition. We turned it into like a 25, 28 person co-op. Okay. So the, the, the human density of the building went way up, mm -hmm. which means the overall energy consumption per capita went way down. Yeah. We insulated the heck out of it, added troll pane, argon filled windows, and um, that meant that the mechanical system was actually not no longer undersized, but plenty big because we yeah. reduced the loads. Yeah. It was going against, made great community spaces in there, and now it's a really wonderful building. And now it's, the economic model is is more sensible too, I assume. Exactly. Yeah. So now it works economically, um, and it's also like a great example of like, you know, um, there's no better low carbon way of building than rehabbing existing buildings. So it's yeah. a great reuse of building, adaptive reuse project. Cool. So that's a cool model. David's a cool model. Sarah Wells's model is really looking at like different scales, some custom purpose built buildings, some rehab, some ho uh, homes, um, usually in a co-owned model or a shared ownership model so that um, it 
uh, suits the people who need to live there most closely, right? So that's a cool model. Another really interesting model to me is embedding cooperatives in a co-housing community. And this is one thing I've been talking to groups about quite a bit recently. Um, let's say you're going to do a 36 unit. It took me a second to parse that. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. Just, no, I'll it's okay. It. Um, yeah. Can I can I summarize what you, that, that what you packed into that one sentence? Yep. Um, you said <laughs> you said embed a cooperative into a co-housing. Yep. So co-housing is uh -huh. kind of like cooperative light. It's like it's it's like a lighter level right. of sharing sharing space. And they would rankle at that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry, but um, which is okay. I mean, it's, I'm not trying that. to definitely navigate uh, <laughs> no, no, personal fine. feelings about this, but um, co-housing co is is like people have their own units, like a mm -hmm. family unit or a couple or or a, a person, you know, one person. They have their own unit, their mm -hmm. own bathroom. There's there's not much that, there's not much that's shared, except that uh, there's community space that's that you're close to, and there's often a common house, a, a common house with a yeah. shared kitchen and shared dining. Yep, and usually in co-housing, you have the future owners participate in the design process. So okay. it is that yeah. thing of like, hey, what do you guys want? Let's see if we can give them that. Yeah, so that's co-housing. Yeah, uh, cooperative housing is more like there are place that you yep. mentioned you where a bedroom where, maybe an ensuite bathroom yeah maybe shared bathrooms but then but you the have shared, shared space in yep. in your i mean you're, you don't have like a closed off unit you have um you have some shared space that that you see people in that you yep. you know you have to navigate other people's food in their in the fridge and share space in the yep. kitchen and it's it's much it requires uh, much more uh pro-social collaboration perhaps i, I would don't know. say yeah <laughs> and i think i mean it's interesting so i think both of those models are valid models and I wouldn't, uh, you know, like sort of, I mean, I feel like this is a place where all of these innovations need to be happening as many times as we can. And then the people who need to be housed can find their way into the model that works for them. Yeah. So like for me, having um, small kids living in a co-housing community was brilliant, especially in holiday neighborhood where they, they could, you know, we didn't have a big yard, but the whole community is their yard, the whole neighborhood is their yard. Yeah. They would go as far as they were able to go. And so when they were toddlers, they would go 12 feet. And when they were two, they'd go, or three or four, they'd go, you know, 100 feet. And yeah, when they were the sidewalk. Or, yeah, and then they, they eventually learned, like, oh, it's okay for me to cross the street. And here's how I cross the street to go to the community yeah. gardens. And, nice. you know, eventually they would, like, you know, take their scooters all the way to Gateway, crossing Highway 36, and, ah, which is terrifying, yeah, right? seriously. But, like, they <laughs> could do it and, um, and go up here to the park or go to the co coffee shop. And then, you know, at some point they're just like walking over to the skip bus and going to high school. Yeah. So in all those like the, the neighborhood flexes really beautifully to to meet all of the needs of people at different times. Right. So but like my life at Wild Sage, I really think I benefited quite a bit from having the community right outside the front door and some private space on the inside. So I could like, you know, yeah. kind of like just manage the things I had to manage. Um, I can't imagine having raised kids without the community. Like it, yeah. this, it seems like I would never have survived that. Yeah, how isolating, how expensive, and how yeah. like it's hard yeah, enough as it is, totally. right? Like yeah. you know, so or it's hard enough for me as it was, and I benefited so much by the sharing the community right outside the door, you know, no driving around for um, 
or scheduling play dates. You know, the play dates are right outside. Yeah. You want to play date? Yeah. Like, go knock on their door. Exactly. Um, like the old school way. That's how I used to do exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. On a Saturday morning, you know, totally. just walk down the street and start knocking on doors. Yeah. Like, and when it's time home? for dinner, it's like, Johnny, come home for dinner. And like, they come home for dinner. Or, yeah. or then you find, then you're like, oh, now I don't know where he is. And then you text all the bums and dads. And you're like, you guys know where my kid is. <laughs> and they all go, oh yeah, he's in my basement. And it's like, okay, cool. Can you send him home for food? Yeah. Um, the uh, so that lifestyle was wonderful, but like I can see like so you know my kids are late late in high school now, mm-hmm. um, you know what's next for us, um, uh, you know sort of single family life during this like late high school period has been really really great because it's given my kids a place for their for their friends to con- congregate, yep. and so now we have like a yard with a trampoline and a soccer goal and a fire pit and we just got a hot tub which like totally takes away any of my eco dude cred it's terrible yeah but it's really nice. Um, and uh, don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> I will not tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then, so, I, th- this, so after I, that, I really... like back to community. Like for yeah. me, like, it's like, oh, well, I probably want to circle back to like, you know, the senior version of me wants to live in a, actually more in a co-op environment. Yeah. Like I would, I would think that would be really great then, like house sharing with people. Totally. So um, I, I um, have a blended family, and mm-hmm. I live with five teenage boys. Right now. <laughs> exactly. And, do you want two more? And, uh, what? Do you want two more? Because I got two. <laughs> yeah, no, no, five is. It's five like is Alice's plenty. restaurant. Yeah. Like you know, those five boys. Like why having two piles of five, two piles of teenage boys, <laughs> yeah. and you can just put my pile with your pile <laughs> yeah. instead of bringing your pile to my exactly. pile. <laughs> but uh, you know, we've we've rented a single family home for five years. We're we're probably mm-hmm. gonna rent it another couple years. Um, and at that point, we'll, have, we'll be at a point where two more of them will graduate, and uh, our housing needs are going to keep shrinking. Yep. And like I know the the goal has you know like the sort of template we referred to earlier is that you know you get as big a house as you can, mm-hmm. and then as people leave it, you just you just stay there. Right. And, and you just and, have more and, guest and, rooms. And, yeah. And you just have more guest rooms yeah. for some you know uh, fictional family reunion that you'll have someday, and your your rooms yep. become kind of like. Um, like these memorials for the the the, 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 the I child. Back to my house, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, all my old know. posters are still on the wall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, and I don't want that. Like, so we, we like oh, yeah. my wife and I are very in, uh, trying to be very intentional. Of, like, at different stages in our life, we're going to have different kinds of housing. And mm-hmm. you know, as soon as we can start contracting, we will. And, and it um, frees up that home for the next it, family, it, right? Exactly. As opposed to yeah. having it captured. Yeah, that's right. And then you have a, a family housing problem because you have all the empty nesters holding all of the housing stock because they're the ones who are still in wealth building mode and nobody else can buy it from them. So That's this is right. like how the yeah. serpent eats its own tail in housing. Which, which is something I've had to like come to peace with because like I know that the financially sensible thing for me to do is to like, you know, try, try to scrape together <laughs> that 10% down payment and leverage yeah. a, t- a pile of debt so that someday in the future I'll have all this, this equity. Yeah. And um, that, that's what lots of people, and that, and that, that kind of gamble that the mm-hmm. economy is going to stay it's stable and my yeah. place in that economy is going is to continue on uh, over the, the 20, 30 years that mm-hmm. it takes to pay off that mortgage. That, but, but, but you like, you sign up to like the servitude to like, the economy that you we have so much freedom and you basically opt in and you just bind your hands with all these different and that's where I'm at like I I did that and I did what I thought I was supposed to do and I yeah. sort of in this I'm on that escalator or whatever right yeah. but at the same time like so it does work for a lot of people in a certain way and like it is it's it, undeniably a, a big portion of how people build wealth in our country yeah, for sure um, intergen- intergenerational wealth as well so like 
that's all true, but like, so really like there is like the bottom rung of that ladder is like 10 feet off the ground. <laughs> totally. Right? So <laughs> yeah. like maybe you could do it, yeah. maybe you couldn't, maybe I could do it. I mean, I probably don't, I don't think I could do it now. And like, so, but, so what about the other people? So yeah. I, I have this yeah. argument with like, um, people who are like purely finance minded, they're like, no, you, this is yeah. the way to build wealth and you have to do it this way. Yeah. I'm like, well, what if you can't? And they're like, no, but that's the only thing you can do. But what if you can't? And what if you yeah. can't is, what if you can do a limited equity shared housing ownership model? Yeah. Where you can demonstrate to the banks and like build some equity. What if you can get out from being, you know, cause if you're a renter in Boulder, you are being worked over for every penny that they can take from you. That's basically <laughs> what's happening there, right? Uh -huh. Because like, you know, you, I mean, maybe you have a, like a benevolent landlord, but like mostly like what's happening is like, people are charging as much as they can. Yeah. And the funny thing is like the, the nice folks who come in talking from the planning board meetings about our housing problems, like, you know, a lot of them own one, two, three, four extra homes and like they're rent, you know, they're landlords and they're actually benefiting quite a bit economically from this housing problem. Yeah, and of course. So like Al Gore said, it's really hard to get people to see a truth that means they have to abandon their or question their income model yeah. or their own personal wealth model for it. Yeah. So, and here's like the mental transformation that you like got to in the beginning. Okay, so if the model of a successful life is like, I have my single family home and my yard and I've got a nice neighborhood street with big trees and you know, very little people, very few people parking on the street so I can always park in front of my house and you know, I, I can walk to something, but I don't really care that other people can't walk to some things. And like, it's a bit of a I got mine kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and the city is sort of out there. Once you transform into like, I live in the neighborhood and um, if you're renting and you're moving from place to place and you're not growing roots on a, par a property, you're growing roots in the city. Yeah. Like you, you move that stuff off your plot and into the world. And like, you know, I've talked to some isolated co-housing groups and they're like, well, how do you have shared spirituality if you don't share it with each other? And I'm like, well, you, you go to other places in your integral town. So, you know, to me, like living at Wild Sage, you can be Quaker, you can be Jewish, you can be like any of the 17 flavors of Jewish you want to be. You can be, you know, I mean, like, there's all <laughs> yeah. the different things that you can be if you want to be. You don't have to share that with your community because you're an integral neighborhood, yeah. an integral, yeah. integral town. So if you're living in the town, not in a house, you have a different relationship to That's all right. those common amenities and the public realm. Yeah. So it requires basically this mental shift from like, I live in my house to I live in my neighborhood. Yeah, and I live in my community and I live in my community. that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and everybody does, but they don't see that they do. And, and they don't see, if you haven't experienced it, because these places are still rare, Yeah. then, um, you know, and a lot of people who we, you saw in front of planning board would say like, uh, you know, I was a renter, but um, you know, finally I made it and I got my own home. It's sort of like the mental picture of that. And, you know, maybe they have a, a previous renter story where it was great, but it's always kind of treated like a fluke. Like, yeah. oh, I lived in this one place and it was awesome, but like most of them are terrible, you know? So, so it I've justifies got, the, and reinforces the single family home yeah. ownership. Yeah, I've got, blindness. I've got like three things going on in my brain yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> Thanks for letting me get that all off of my chest in one <laughs> yeah. big blurb. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I, I, um, you know, we, we've talked about this template of, of, uh, home ownership and wealth equity mm -hmm. building and, um, you know, how that's, how getting on that ladder is there's 10 rungs missing from it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I'm just thinking about, like every day, 
is um, I'm a participant in this housing market. Yeah. I, I because I rent, so I'm 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 taking my, some of my income and giving it to a landlord. And I personally and, now own a single family home, and I'm so I'm. So I'm we all doing, we all have to we have to participate, yeah. you know. And and um, and I think about okay, could I jump up and grab that bottom ring and leverage a bunch of debt and like do the mm -hmm. get get on the get in in the um, get get with the program. And, um, Get with the program. <laughs> exactly. Um, that actually is such a great phrase for this because I think that actually is like w the mental picture behind a lot of the comments yeah. we hear is like, get with so, the program. So, but I actually just really want to explore like, how can I be an ethical, mm -hmm. moral, rational actor in this housing economy, and what what can I do to like spend my dollars in a way that promotes prosperity for myself mm -hmm. for the people around me that you know like if i if i buy a single family home and 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 then i end up being an empty nester and i stay in that place i'm kind of like reducing housing if yeah. if i if i <clears throat> bought a, a house that was suitable for a co-op uh maybe as kids left i could i could think about how to re reimagine that property and, and increase housing you know make that something that would work for other other people besides just me the thing i love about sarah wells is that she's she's exploring all these ideas about how you can uh share equity and um different financing models and ownership models and so one of my goals for for this season two uh, of the podcast is like i i want to generate ideas about what i can do yeah you know and participate in like like um you know, like one of, one of the thoughts I have is just, you know, well, maybe I ought to like go in with 10 investors mm -hmm. and buy an apartment building and, and do this and and have my own unit there, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's a shared it's a shared ownership of a of what might otherwise look like a rental property or would normally yep. be financed that way. Um, yeah. So that that's kind of one idea I have. But um, this is what I love about Sarah Wells, and I hope I hope she comes on the on the podcast uh, since we mentioned her name eight times already. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's that's one of the things. I don't know if you want to comment on on that, but yeah, no, I think I mean that is. I think the ethical participation in the, in the world we live in, which is an inherently flawed setup, right? How do you yeah. do that? And um, so when I was a young architect and I was uh, married and um, thinking about having kids, we decided to move into Wild Sage co-housing, which is a project I was designing, working for uh, Jamie Logan, architect, and um, who's brilliant, by the way. And um, the, because I was like, well, I'm spending all my time telling people they should do this, and I was like, I should probably do this. So, you know, we went through our 17 years, you know, four years of the design process, because it was slow to get things to be entitled in the city of Boulder. Um, and uh, 17 years there have been totally fantastic. And so now that we're, you know, kind of dabbling in single family home ownership, right? Um, what do we do with that house? Well, that house is a, the house we bought is a, 1300 square foot, um, three bedroom ranch house, very normal kind of thing in Boulder. No insulation at all, <laughs> no energy upgrades over all these years, like nothing. And I'm like, oh, this is like perfectly ready for me and, to show up was here. It, and was it less than a million dollars? It was less than a million dollars, <laughs> yeah. It was luckily enough less that we could actually afford it. Okay. Um, and so, so ethically what I'm doing with that house is I'm gonna turn it into a net zero, you know, low carbon, um, living environment and like modernize it in ways that are meaningful to people who are in the market now 
so that when we sell it one day they don't like feel like oh we only gotta like do the kitchen oh we gotta add the blah 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 blah. because you know at this point if you sell a house for you know a million and over like people are they have enough money they're gonna do those things yeah so we're sort of trying to do what we think what i see most of my clients doing we're trying to do the most eco version of that possible to make this sort of like housing stock as energy efficient and sustainable regenerative even as possible cool um and you know we'll have pv panels for the hot tub (laughs) 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 but you know like uh you know the dozens of extra hours i've had hanging out with my kids in the hot tub talking about things like i'm like that was so worth it totally i mean it's just hard to get that stuff to happen so that's right so i mean so that's like that's there so we'll, we'll take this house and turn it into you know, a low carbon house and then move on to something else. So we're, we're going to be a bit of a catalyst as we move through things and, yeah. you know, try to leave it better than we found it kind of. Cool. You know, you, you can also just can like you, uh, move can into you, can you, Before you leave, you yeah. should maybe build an ADU and... Uh, I, would, and uh, I would love and, uh, to, but there's these easements back there for these <laughs> power lines that are t- oh, terrible. Okay. But yeah, the ADU was like our initial. Yeah. But yeah, so like turning it into a co-op house would actually be really cool too. Um, yeah. And that would be a possibility. Um, the, I mean, for me, the next thing would be totally awesome to do, like to help develop a cooperative housing model where like I build my own unit into it and it's like me and my wife, empty nesters living cooperatively with people and help create new ones all the time. Right. Um, and that's what we're doing as architects. We're, you know, we're just trying to slowly, I mean, this is the crazy thing is like architects, we're designing the world. You know, it's, that it is actually what's happening is this like very distributed and very slow, but, you know, I have dedicated my life to trying to make a really positive outcome from the effort that we put in, you know, community, sustainability, <clears throat> durability. The, the structures we live in define us in so many ways. They really like, do. Uh, and it's um, yeah. like, like we just... Um, First we make our, shape our buildings and then they shape us, right? Yeah, I think is the okay. most Churchill well, quote, something well, like the, that. Well, the, the, the tragedy of that is... Um, we live in such shitty structures. Yeah. <laughs> and and when I say structures, I, I include the 40-foot asphalt street yeah. in front of us, the, the long drive on Strodes to get to the, the exactly. suburban hellscape we live in. Yes. Um, and I'm not, I don't mean this. I, I'm generalizing beyond border and beyond Boulder now. Oh, we have um, our but, little but, suburban hellscape oh, here. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> in, in fact, that's, that's something I would like to um, also highlight uh, better because um i normally open these episodes with a little um bike ride through the, oh, the, yeah. the you know it's kind of the nice part of boulder is all these mm-hmm. bike paths and you know biking through is, is great it looks wonderful uh but we can bike but through there, holiday a little bit but there is so much um there is so much suburban sprawl inside the city limits that is meandering and no sense of place and uh yeah. and and yeah it's structures that um kind of uh, facilitate isolation and mm-hmm. boredom and uh, <laughs> and know. it's so hard to get around them I mean let's take the Marshall <laughs> fire right yeah. so here is a disaster which has created an opportunity where like all of a sudden you're gonna be rebuilding a whole bunch of homes in a neighborhood all at once yeah. and if you were to step back from that and say well if we were to redesign replan this neighborhood now yeah. is this what we would do yeah. and the answer is mostly like probably no not, yeah. not really yeah but, you know, when we talk to people about like, well, what could we like move lot lines? Could we change zoning? Could we, you know, the basically reality was like, 
no, insurance money is tied to like rebuilding the thing that was there. Yeah, right. So like we can't really change the lot square footage. Like the zoning is meant to be there, and like you know people's expectations are based based on like it being like what it was, and so it's going to grow back to being more yeah what it was a before. replacement of yeah. what it was with a more stringent energy code and more modern um sensibility aesthetics wise and floor plan wise that will then one day also become obsolete right it'll be yeah, yeah. part of its own process but it, so like that's a place where we peeled back a whole bunch of the structure layers and still couldn't make significant change right yeah yeah so how do you do it in a place like boulder where like you know each one of those houses is like worth 1.4 million for your old ranch house and you know what what does it take to do it and i think the answer is like the gentle infill stuff we've all talked about like adus and multiple adus on a site and being able to use a one acre single family parcel for a pocket neighborhood instead of just a giant um, rich guy house so i want to i want to kind of shift gears a little bit because when i when i when i came out swinging at the beginning i said i said something about uh wanting to help people see that we could have a different world Vision. without yeah. guns. We could have a different world without single-family zoning, or uh, you know, without cars. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's the world I want to live in. I want to live in yeah. a giant pedestrian district. Um, when and, I first got on planning board, by the way, my uh-huh. first suggestion was like, let's just make 19th Street all the way from like CU to North Boulder into a, a bike highway with put, with limited traffic only to get into people's driveways. I love it. And I was like laughed out of the room. <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, if yeah. you could wave a magic wand, wouldn't that be great? Like oh, what yeah. if we had a spine and bike highway all the way north south of town? And, and imagine awesome. how, how beautiful that would be. Gorgeous. When you, when you go through it, people would be like, oh, oh. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like Pearl Street, <clears throat> which is the commercial one going this way, and 19th Street, which is the pedestrian bike one going this way. Yeah. Like, because this, be is, this, is, this would be one of the places where you would look at it on paper and think, um, oh, it's going to be too expensive for me to live there with a car. Uh, probably not. Uh, I'm curious. Like, like yeah. what's this all about? You show up, and it's, like, beautiful. Right. So, so this is actually, from the design point of view, I want to, I want to, it, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. Like, um, I want to hand you the iPhone that you can't live without, that you've never seen before. Totally. Right? I want to show you the neighborhood mm-hmm. that you cannot see yourself not living in. You yeah. Know? And um, so here's here's kind of something painful I want to I want to bring up, and that is um, when I come to the holiday neighborhood, right. it's it's not that for me. Like right. I feel um, I have I have polar yeah I'm curious uh, what your emotions about is. about yeah. this place is because um, one of the things that I'm really convinced about is um, people um, conflate density with traffic and cars. Right. And the reason they do that is because there's there's not really any exemplars except like CU main campus and maybe Pearl Street pedestrian mall where um, increased density corresponds to fewer cars. Right. Like almost everywhere in the city, increased density corresponds to a linear uh, growth in the number of cars. And when right. I when I come through this neighborhood, I think it's it's just as car dependent as everywhere else. Like, I would say like it's there's there's cars nearly. there's there's cars everywhere. Yeah. But the uh, actual the n- numbers on car ownership are lower than the rest okay. of the city. Yeah. Okay. So you see more in the, the public realm. They don't move as much. Like a lot of those cars okay. just sit there for 10 days. All right. So there's some like car storage. <laughs> okay. So that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah. But, right. Well, yeah. right. So like, do you, do you need to own it? So like, that's yeah. the place where car sharing starts to be, I mean, I know plenty of families here who own one car instead of twos because yeah. they rely on the car share. 
or because they can take the bus or like or work in the neighborhood. But yeah, I think I mean it from that perspective, the 350 homes here, it doesn't quite get that level partially because like that scale doesn't give you everything you need to make it fully walkable. And we're still a little removed from the we're, center yeah, we're not of downtown. economic activity downtown. And the zoning that was applied to this, like in this neighborhood, this was designed to be a live work corridor. Uh, in even knowing that it was like live work is not allowed in this zone. Uh -huh. So like this unit right here was meant to be uh, artist studio space that you could live above and but instead it's two condos. So it's uh, like an office condo and a mm -hmm. unit above, which means like the artist would have to buy two condos to like do the thing that was meant to be affordable because you're only buying one condo. If they're world famous, they can maybe pull that off. <laughs> totally. So like basically like the zoning in this district in this block here at Studio Muse in Holiday Neighborhood in North Boulder is is what prevented that vision. Like one, it's like literally one character in the use tables moving from a star, which is prohibited to you, which would be a use review. If they okay. could, could have done a use review to allow that to happen here, hmm. which a use review is done through the um, discretionary review process with planning board. So like it would go to planning board and they would say like, oh yeah, this actually seems like a good way of doing that. There would be public comment. Like it'd be a fully um, vetted thing that happened and still like that star is still in the use table and we can't get it. Like there's all these things there that are stuck. Well, so um, yeah, so maybe yeah. maybe there's there's zoning <laughs> that could be tweaked here, but, uh, um, but, but I, I still, so I, I just want to kind of like yeah. complete my thought yeah, yeah. and that is um, I I love this neighborhood uh, and I come through it and I, I think oh I could I could totally live here but it's it doesn't have the kind of um, magic quality that your proposed 19th Street uh, right. bike district yeah, would, would sparks, be right? where, where, yeah. where people actually see the world in a whole new way mm -hmm. of how they how they could live their lives like because 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 um, you come to this neighborhood and you think um, where will where will my car go you know, <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, and and yeah, maybe there's the the own, the car ownership is is reduced, and and people are uh, uh, not instead of having one car for every driver, there's 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 car sharing within families, and so it's not a, not so much between. It's less bad, but not all the way there. It's less bad, but not all the way there. Yeah. It's, it's not. It doesn't have that kind of transformative aspect of like. The, the the world can change, uh, you no, know. It, it really so. doesn't. I think, and that's one of the things. Really, at the city and planning board level, they have been unwilling to let go of a couple key pieces that would get you there. Yeah. Um, and I think one of those is parking. You know, I think you know we got a parking reduction over at Wild Sage, and we basically have about we have fewer than one stall per household of parking on site. Okay. And we rely on on street parking for the rest. So like that's a pretty good. Yep. You know, getting below one getting one parking started. unit per dwelling unit is that's a barrier that's broken. And yeah, you know, and I think a lot of developers and the city planners for sure are like not really, and the planning board is maybe not progressive enough to get there. Um, is a bigger scale project. Yeah, places like Thirty Pearl, um, they're going there in a kind of a different way. But like a lot of the presumption there is like okay, we'll make it look like it doesn't have a lot of parking, but we're going to build a giant expensive parking garage. Mm -hmm. And underground parking and so then all of a sudden you know you got to buy your 20 30 40 50 thousand dollar car 
and you got to buy a sixty thousand or eighty thousand dollar place <laughs> to stick it. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden you're looking at like, am I really in my life? Like in your like life economics, do you really want to commit a hundred grand to car ownership? Yeah, I mean, what's the <laughs> no. option? Like, no, that's that's yeah. crazy. Like, there's way more things you could do with that money. When I think about the challenge of my personal finances of trying to put a hundred grand together <laughs> just to have your car for, sit for, out there for anything, you know, housing, much less a car. Yeah, totally. it's really like Yeah, with these five boys, you probably have other demands on you got well, a lot that, of corn dogs for those yeah, kids to eat out of the uh, freezer. Well, I will say that one of the reasons we live where we live, we pay extra rent to live in the city, is because they all have bus passes and bicycles and totally. we don't want to maintain a fleet of cars for teenage drivers. And uh, we don't, so. It's um, so expensive. Yep. Yeah, I think so actually, I think there's two things happening here at the same time. You know, one is actually the housing model of ownership is slowly breaking. Like, we, it's actually not gonna keep working yeah. to have just this increasingly small percentage of the society able to own houses. Yeah. And the fact that it's become such a magnet for um, investors to just own homes and rent them out uh, at an institutional level um, is also really problematic, right? Because that's a wealth extraction. That, mm -hmm. That's actually just what that is. It's a yeah. wealth extraction model. Yeah. Um, so that's happening, but also what's happening is car ownership has a similar model, right? There was a great futurist talk from maybe seven or eight years ago, some guy from CU, I think, or maybe part of the Conference of World Affairs about um, the future of car ownership and these economics we're talking about. And he's like, at some point, it just doesn't make any sense. Like people are gonna say like, no, I'm not doing that because yeah. it comes at too great a price yeah especially in terms of personal freedom and and there's no upside on the car ownership model you're not like <laughs> building wealth off of that hundred grand you're just like you know letting it go away so at some point and i i know people here have made those kinds of decisions personally i mean like if i were to like redo holiday um i would have it be a richer mix of uses i would have it be um you know, more like more innovative housing types that have kind of evolved since then, more co-ops, more shared housing models, mm -hmm. more micro units, having that come in here, because it still was built on apartment models, right? Like, yeah. you know, either buy the apartment and rent it to somebody or you buy it and live in it. But it's, it's pretty stuck in that sort of like ownership condo world. Um, but there's some amazing things happening here. There's homeless transitional housing there's EFA there's like there's some really really habitat homes a lot of really cool stuff more of that needed to happen um, and then there's some other things like um, you know energy um, wasn't taken as seriously back then like you know we we did a bunch of research and shared that with the rest of the developers they kind of got on board with some level of it but it was like really pretty minimal so from a sustainability perspective like you know if we did this over we yeah. could do way, way better. Yeah. Um, and there's some things like these. These units were built. You, you say. You say as the air conditioner. Uh, yes. Kicks on across totally. the, the patio Which, here. As that kicked on, <laughs> I was gonna like give. You, okay, let's go on that for a second. So that right there is an anti-community machine, because what happens out here, and you see it all the time, is like we'll have our garage door open. Door open. These guys will have their garage uh -huh. door open. Somebody who doesn't have their garage door open their AC unit, which is super loud because it's a yeah, conventional DX noisy So we're machine. sitting at a patio and there's three air conditioners yes. up, just parked. Uh, and one of them just turned on and it totally changed our acoustic environment. <laughs> yeah. We're both speaking yeah. louder, we're both worried about it. Like, oh, there it goes. Yeah. <sighs> well, and the How interesting thing, the interesting thing about that. people close those doors yeah. and the conversations that were happening here, people walk away. 
So it literally does like kill the community and life between the buildings. Yeah. So getting rid of that, which mostly like the, right around the corner here, there's one that's actually running, which is the, the outdoor unit to a mini split. And it's yeah. totally unnoticeable. Nobody ever hears it turn on or off. So that's like, that's the, a simple technology irony, switch. The irony is that it's like 70 degrees here in the shade. It is like such a perfect <laughs> morning perfect. right now. Yeah, <laughs> I have never been more thermally comfortable in my life. Gen generating heat over <laughs> totally. here and noise, you know. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's so, funny. And um, my office is over there with all the doors open. And people are happy. The other office is open there, over there with all her doors oh, open. Oh, yeah. Nice. Really happy. Nice. Well, um, we started a lot of threads and uh, yeah. didn't, didn't, uh, didn't get all of them closed. I, uh, um, I, I, I still want to say something, though. Yeah. Um, I had lunch with somebody yesterday who's a single-family homeowner who mm -hmm. thinks of himself as liberal progressive. And, totally. Um, but he, but he, he's self-reflective enough to know that he doesn't want his neighborhood to change. Like, like he, he understands he that, that himself. he understands that he's conservative in this respect. Right. And um, he's That's just important. kind of he's kind of like generally against density. You know, like he mm -hmm. he wants to have his space. He wants his neighbors to have their space. And um, uh, like I I wouldn't I wouldn't say to him, um, well, you should go up to Holiday, and check that out. It'll blow your it, mind. It'll blow your yeah. mind. It'll, it'll change your mind about density. It'll help. Because I think, I think, yeah, it could help. Yeah, you know, yeah. walking around. I, and I think he would see why other people like it, you know. But I don't think, um, I don't think he's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want in my neighborhood. I right. want, I'll, I want uh, to, to, to uh, build this kind of density. Um, and I, I just say that with kind of a heavy heart because, Me like, too. I really, I really like this kind of density. It's like. It's it's so much better than um, what we have in so much of the city, but um, I I still yeah. like like I said I, I really just I want I want to um, show people that there's another level of density that's more that's even more dense but more beautiful mm -hmm. because when you remove the cars and all the space we hand over to them, um, you know like European cities you know uh, yeah. the, the kind of place we go to vacation we or, fly all the way across <laughs> to sit in a place like this that's European and more, uh -huh. more beautiful and yeah. not just concrete block and stucco and I mean partially is like you know there's uh, the era of construction that impacts like what we're capable yeah. of these days for sure and cost those all those things are true but like there's definitely a lot of place making stuff that some of it's happening really well here some of it really didn't you know there's certain yeah. areas where like that's just like a you know, these homes are opening up to a parking lot. It seems like really unfortunate. And yeah. So there's definitely some things that it could have been a lot better. I have had, I had one of my fellow planning board members um, say in the meeting, a meeting like that uh, she couldn't believe anybody um, ethically could raise their kids outside of a single family environment. Um, and she referred to Holiday as like the horror of a concrete jungle, like it I go and places like that and oh, wow. so I was like well I think we should go tour it and talk to each other about this so yeah. I brought her up here and we walked yeah. around and, and she's like the kids have nowhere to be and I was like the kids get to be everywhere yeah. just because there's not a pen for the kids yeah, where you lock large, them large in, inside fence, fence your house where they yard, have no yeah. risk of meeting another person or talking to them like oh, they, yeah. they live a rich life out here so like and when she saw like oh the kids are coming and going between all the buildings they have forts under that porch they have you know, they go from block to block to block. They hang yeah. out at the pit. They yeah. hang out at the green. They hang out at the park. They go to the, the purple park. They go to the, you know, they, they have this whole, whole different, much more rich life than they would in the pen yeah. behind your house. 
like she kind of started to go like oh but it took like my narration yeah and explanation yeah. and like physically That's, walking around yeah. to get her to see that i don't I mean she it's not like she decided oh i'm gonna move there you know but she did get out of the way and and now she's part of groups in boulder who are saying like oh let's just do holiday again that seems reasonable so now they're putting <laughs> forth this as like the the less bad version of anti-density yeah. stuff so okay which so uh, that's 20 years yeah 15 years that's actually a pretty good step forward yeah what, that's what's right. the next 15 years this is what we got to imagine yeah. now right is yeah, like that's right how do we get them all the way there <laughs> so yeah we have all these opportunities for that you know alpine balsam uh mm -hmm. and uh, maybe 30 pearl will be east, east boulder sub community yeah that's uh, a big one and and i think people as they see spark and 30th and pearl uh transit village um Boulder Junction, that whole zone. Yeah. Um, maybe it'll be convincing. I don't know if it will be convincing, yeah. but we'll see. The the thing I want to say to the the person you just uh, talked about the tour and, and her 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 mindset about how the the the, the ethical way to raise kids is put them in a large uh, backyard. Yeah. Um, the, the thing I want to say is, uh, you know, if, if uh, you're worried about your kids you know, becoming screen swiping, button clicking pleasure bots. Um, I think the best thing you can do for them is to, to build them walkable neighborhoods yes. and set them loose. Exactly. You know? I think you're uh, so right. <laughs> I mean, my kids do have an aspect of too much screen time for sure. And maybe uh -huh. it's just because I'm an old Gen X dude who is crusty about it. But, yep. but they spent their time doing all these things in this walkable neighborhood. And I, I'm really hyper aware of like, well, what if there were more things that the teenagers could do that would be cool for that? You know, so like yeah. what's missing is actually become very clear. So it'd be easy to design a neighborhood now with those things added to it. Um, and, uh, you know, like there's some things like um, uh, up on Yellow Pine, there's like this sort of commercial node. And if you walk down there, the, the use tables prohibit different things from happening. And so like what, two doors down from the edge of one zone, a, potential client called us up and said, hey, I, you know, I've noticed people are walking up and down the street all the time. This would be a great place. Like, what if we had a little sunny spot here that was like a little ice cream shop? It'd be mm -hmm. perfect. And I was like, you're right. It would be perfect. And it's not allowed. Yeah. It's prohibited. Uh -huh. And he's like, why would the city find the idea of an ice cream shop on the walkable commercial node in the new urban neighborhood to be something they need to protect people from? Yeah. Like, what well, is a really good question. <laughs> like, that is a great question. Why are we being protected from something which would otherwise be a source of delight you know so yeah, yeah. actually I'm working with Harmon Zuckerman right now on a um, either a letter to the editor for the camera or a, a blog post on our website caddispc.com um, we like we have a actually pretty good blog there's a lot of mm -hmm. cool stuff on there and so after being on planning board for all these years Harmon and I were like let's do a, a podcast on or a, not a podcast a blog on like what would be cool you know what would be cool? This would be cool. Yeah. And so, like, right now, like, you know, you look at, like, um, uh, areas around parks um, and, you know, pick your favorite park here in town. What if one corner of that park had a little coffee shop ice cream stand? Mm-hmm. Well, it would be great because then, as a parent, you could go there and get coffee and, like, hang out and have this sort of, like, cafe environment opening up onto the park. Yeah. You know, but then you hear people, like, in the transportation department of the city say like well we can't let people put um uh dining out on the closed part of pearl street forever i mean they they don't own that it's not theirs i'm like well we actually do own that and it's ours yeah. like uh -huh. what if we did 
like I've I love going down there and like sitting at uh, picnic tables on the paved part of Pearl Street. Yeah, it's it's way better. Like I'm totally. just like no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> and like what? Some business owner loses like the two or three stalls in front of their business. And yeah. Those two or three customers don't generate your business. That's not a thing. That's right. All, like the thousands of people walking up and down there. That's what's that's happening. Right. That's right. And uh, delight, cool things. What would yeah, be cool? Yeah. So yeah, I I I love that because um, we need to be um, giving people a positive vision of, of where we're going, and we yeah. want it. I mean, like I really am convinced that when we can realize enough of it, so that people see it and they want it and they demand it, then that that's sort of like everything can start shifting. Yeah. Um, and so we always, you know, like, please write the article and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tweet it, tweet about it to cool. the extent that, I, that I'm a social media influencer at all, you yeah. know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, cause, cause it's not just, um, I mean, we do really need to take seriously the, the inequity problems that we have, the, yes. the racist outcomes of, of these decades of policies, mm -hmm. the, um, the, the climate crisis, and there's just all this negative stuff that, um, we're, we're really facing that we need to to, to deal with mm -hmm. and it feels like fuck it uh, we, there's not much I can do you know I'm, I'm reusing my plastic I'm you know I'm not using I'm using cloth bags for my avocados or whatever yeah. but like am I can, can is there anything I can do about this situation and um, well, having a yeah, but, 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 but but the but the notion of like of these of these like positive um, uh, imaginations of, of mm -hmm. what of what's possible and what would be cool and you know like we, we want to feel compelled into this future that's better you know yep. not just be like browbeat by the all the negative uh, fear based, stuff, that, fear -based like, stuff that we're dealing yeah. with um, so well that so that leads me to the other idea I had for the city of Boulder it should be this article I think and if I could wave, wave a magic wand I probably would do this like like the 19th Street bike spine um, the uh it's not too late for it is it can, can it we still is, it really isn't too late and, but somehow people like when like a couple hundred yards of Folsom got bike lanes people freaked out I so know. yeah uh, which i think in some ways is it failed to give the vision of what it could be it looked ugly it was inconvenient yeah and it didn't go honestly it just didn't go far enough like yeah. in terms of like this is what we're doing it was like, well, kind of make it a little bit better. Yeah. It was like kind of <laughs> shitty for bikes and shitty for cars. Like, we kind of did something shitty for everybody. Yeah. And it looked like shit, so that's not that great. <laughs> so here's the idea that I had for the city of Boulder. Like an overland district, everywhere in the city, anybody can apply for a CSP, which would be a cool shit permit. A cool shit I want to do some cool shit over there. Yeah. And oh, it's going to be a like piece it. of art. Or uh -huh. I want to do some cool shit over there. I'm going to like turn the corner of this park into food forest. So. Yeah, so if you could apply, like, if there was a public forum for positive, cool ideas that could be discussed yeah. and allowed through a process, as opposed to, like, I mean, so if you write policy for an organization or a community or a city, you can sit down and write down all of the bad things that might happen and try to make a law about every single one of those things. Yeah. Or <laughs> you can uh -huh. be like, okay, so here are the things we're shooting towards Here's a vision for it. And when there are problems, here's the, the way we handle conflict. You know, here's how we handle problems. As opposed to like, I'm going to write down every problem and then cross them off the list. And uh, you don't yeah. end up with anything good at that yeah, end. Yeah, that's right. Um, what the, what, yeah, 
This makes me think of a conversation I had where um, I was talking with a developer, and I don't I don't want to call out the property because I want to be friendly with this guy. But um, the, the 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 building that he developed looks like to me. I, and I was surprised to find out it was housing. Like I I assumed right. it was a clinic, like a right. like a like a I don't know plastic surgery uh, exactly yeah <laughs> clinic. Oh. And and yeah. Uh, and then I and then I found out it was it was uh, six you know. Eight, ten, sorry, I don't mean to give it away. Um, it was it was condos, you know, right. t two million dollar plus condos. Mm -hmm. And I, I, he he told me <laughs> it's like the most boring building you can imagine. And he yeah. told me that he was trying to um, make sure it was as little as least offensive to as many people as possible. Which to me is like, okay, uh, th that's fine, but like. I assume that some rich people have have creative bones in their bodies. True. And the reason I assume this is because I've been on West Pearl, where they have that, that those um, those those uh, Victorian yeah. or those row condos that That's are cool. like super interesting and yeah. and like, okay, so yeah, maybe ten, ten percent of the people who see those would be like, oh, I would never buy that. There's too it's too baroque. And those too guys can buy something on. different. <laughs> yeah, and those people can go buy something different. But like to say like I'm gonna build this colorless clinic style building um uh because i'm worried i might offend people you know yeah. like i'm like my economic formula uh it's like that it's guy, so that guy should have applied for a, a, a cool shit permit and built something nice on that property yeah. but anyways i mean when our clients hire us when they're whether they're doing um you know a co-housing project somewhere around the country or a locally uh, urban infill project um i have almost never had anybody come to us asking for like uninspired design. <laughs> yeah. I am so frightened that anybody's gonna notice my house or my project order. I really don't want it to be cool. If you can you make it all beige, please? Exactly. You know. I really want the most unimaginative thing possible. Uh -huh. Please, I'm so terrified by life. Yeah. No, mostly, I mean, especially the causing clients, these are people who are putting a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of heart into connecting with each other and changing the world one block yeah. at a time, one neighborhood at a time. Awesome. And it's they're throwing down and if you, at the end of that process, wind up with something that looks like the generic baloney down the street, they don't yeah. feel great about that. Yeah. They want it to be beautiful, lug, you know, luxurious in terms of the experience, if not expense. Mm -hmm. um, they want it to be like a place that you can, um, you know, you're going to fall into the arms of your community at the end of your week and be like, oh, I'm here, you know, as opposed and coming home, like, oh, I'm here, as opposed to like. Which house was mine again? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, I guess I, I want to say um, I want to say thank you to the listeners who managed to get through uh, 60, 70 minutes of us prattling on. Uh, you know, I know this is uh, this is not tight infotainment here. You know, exactly. Uh, so maybe we ought to maybe we ought to wrap it up before we uh, that com good. C completely uh, before I. Um, you know, I, I have to go back and edit all this uh, to some yeah. extent, but um, well, hopefully, but, but I do want to give you one uh, chance yeah. to for for parting shots, like uh, anything that you is feeling like at the at the front of your mind that you wanted to to cover. No, I think I mean to me, like reaching out through podcasts and blogs and public speaking opportunities, and you know, just trying to put good words out there. Um, you know, this vision of the future is, I think possible i believe it's possible and we're kind of doing it every day project by project to the extent that we can right yeah. and so you know not every project goes as far as it could potentially or that we want it to but um 
collectively we have so much more to offer than we do individually in terms of making cities. Yeah. And so if we can come together around vision and like what it would be to live your life in a different way that's really, that sheds the things that are um, unpleasant or difficult or burdensome for you and focuses like orienting your life on the pleasant and positive things that are happening in their city, I yeah. think is a valid way of creating plans. In fact, the most valid way. Yeah. Like what would make it delightful to be in your city? You know, and I think that's something that everybody can like walk their dog in their neighborhood and be like, what would be awesome here? What would be awesome? What would be delightful? Yeah, that that's uh, I love I love that. And and I, I wanna just like start answering it. You know, <laughs> totally. it, it, like like can we start another conversation okay. on this? Brian, thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast Thanks today. For having me. I uh, I really enjoyed sitting here. I um yeah, super fun. It was really fun. This episode of Sharing Boulder was produced and edited by Philip Ogren. The music was sampled from Fake French by La Tigre and is available under the Creative Commons Sampling Plus License version 1.0. Please visit us at sharingboulder.us for show notes and previous episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast. Please support us by sharing this episode with your friends and neighbors. Keep sharing, Boulder.